Amen. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. <clears throat> we want to say thank you to everybody that participated in taking meals and snacks and goodies to the firehouses, to the police department, to the sheriff's department. It was a huge success. If, you've not, if you're not on social media, you need to get on there. And if you are, you need to go to Gates and look at all the pictures. And man, you, everybody did a great job. And we just, we, we want you to know how much we appreciate that because, because that, ultimately, that gives Jesus a really good name. Amen? Sowing into people that sow into us and are there for us in times. You say, well, you know, I've never used the fire department. Who, who's to say that, you know, in the future, you're, you're not in a situation or you don't know people that are in situations like that because stuff happens in the world. We don't have, we're, not, we're not believing that things happen to us. We're not believing for bad happening in our lives, but stuff happens. Amen? Bible didn't say that things don't happen to you if you're born again. If you're born again, there's attacks that come in a lot of different ways. And so we want to be prepared, but sowing into people that sow into humanity and into this community and stuff, I'm telling you, it's a good thing, and they appreciate it very much. And we appreciate everybody's commitment to that. And just remember, we're doing the same thing on Christmas. Amen? Glory to God. So, new series. A new series starting today through, through Christmas. And the um, title of this message is The Crown. The Crown. The Crown. Man, I get chills just thinking about this message. Anyway, so, so I, I want to start out with a, with, a, with a definition from the Greek for the word crown. And the Greek word, you have that? Yes. The Greek word for crown is stephanos, I guess. Um, and it's defined as the symbol of authority, the victor's crown, the victorious crown. But it's a symbol of authority. When you see a crown, if, you have a, if you've got a crown and it's just sitting on a table... There's no real authority in the crown itself, but it's a symbol of that. When it's on the head of a king or somebody that's in a place of authority, that crown represents the fact that that person is in authority. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm going to read a number of verses of Scripture to you about the crown first before I really get into the meat of the message. And like I said, this is a series, and so I'm going to lay some foundation concerning this today. But um, I want you to notice three different crowns mentioned in the Bible. Um, and I want you to think about this before I read these, that these three are one. These three crowns are one. Seems similar? You, you, you've heard that phrase before? Three and one? Hmm? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? They're all God. But they have three different... They have, they, they, there's three different parts. They have three different, actually, responsibilities that we see clearly in Scripture. But these three crowns I'm going to read to you out of just three passages of Scripture. 
First one's found in 2 Timothy 4. This is the Apostle Paul at the end of his life. <clears throat> and and, and I, want, I want to say this too. When you think of the crown on a person that's in authority, that's one thing. But in our case, the authority has to do with, and the crown has to do with the ones that choose to walk in it, in our case. So think about that as I read these three passages. I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. This is the Apostle Paul right at the end of his life. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Notice that he said, he will give to me on that day. He will give to me on that day the crown of righteousness. James chapter 1 and verse 12, the second crown. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This wasn't just for, in the the previous verse, it wasn't just for the Apostle Paul, but all those who loved him. 1 Peter 5 and 4, the third crown. And when the chief shepherd appears, he will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. That whole passage, if you go back and look at it, is talking about shepherds, under shepherds, that, are, that, are, that have responsibility over the flock. And, 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 and they're encouraged, under-shepherds are encouraged to take the authority that God has given them to be living examples. And then he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. <clears throat> All of these crowns are from the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of these crowns are a symbol of authority. They are the victor's crown. He has that crown because he's won the victory. Can you say amen? He has won the victory for you and I. He has the crown. The apostle Paul knew he was at the end of his life and he says, when I step over, the crown is mine. Listen to me. The crown is for those. Notice, Paul said, it's not for me only, but he said, but also All those who have loved his appearing. All those who believe in him and believe that he's coming. Believe that he's not just, you know, some fairy tale or some story in in, in a big book. He's real. And those who love that, that crown is waiting for us. But listen to me. Listen to me. The glorious thing about that crown is... That it's got to be yours now before you see it. See, it's for all those who walk in authority, who live in the authority that God has given us. 
We can talk about living in authority. We can talk about a crown that's coming. Oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to live however I want to live down here, but I have a crown on the other side. Well, I'm not going to tell you exactly how it is on the other side because I've not been there. But from what I read, that comes to those who choose to do it and receive it and walk in it and live in that authority today. Can you say amen? All three of those represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in Luke 10 and 19, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing, nothing will by any means hurt or harm you. Nothing. So what I want to look at today in, in, in light of those passages of Scripture on the crown I want to look at where this all began and where it started. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, God in the beginning was making and creating everything. And he said in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. He created all of us in his image. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have what? Have what? Dominion. Have authority. Have that dominion and authority in life. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. He told us to have that. This is complete authority. You know what that was then? You know what Adam had then? He had the crown. He had the symbol of authority. I've given you the crown. I've given you the authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. There's nothing going to hurt you, harm you. You have that authority. God gave the crown to Adam. <clears throat> what did Adam do with it? What did Adam do with it? Adam gave it away. We know the story and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing this as I lead up to what I'm going to look at in this next verse. In chapter 3 of Genesis, we know Adam's story. God told him everything was his. Just don't mess with the fruit in the middle. <clears throat> he messed with the fruit in the middle. He took of the fruit. He ate of the fruit. <clears throat> um, and, and, and actually, what happened is his wife took of the fruit, and she ate it, and he did nothing. God was talking to Adam when he told him, don't do that, and he watched her and did nothing about it. And when God came to Adam in the garden, he said, um, he said what's, what, what's happened? What, what have you done? It was that woman you gave me. That's what he said. It's that stinking woman you gave me. That's what he said. It's the woman you gave me. Then let's look, look at what the woman said in verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? He already asked Adam, and Adam said, it's her fault. 
The woman said, it's Adam's fault. No. The woman was honest. In essence, she said, I let the serpent deceive me, and I ate the fruit. I let the serpent deceive me, and I ate it. Adam played the blame game. She played the honest game. Did that not happen? Were they deceived? Right? She watched her husband give in to that thing, and she followed suit and then realized what she had done, and she fessed up. He didn't. Anyway, that's another sermon. So the Lord God said to the serpent, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Your seed, Satan's seed, and her seed, the woman. Who is the woman? Mary. He already had it planned what Mary would do, what, how all that would come about. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, I don't have a long time to spend on that, but I want to point out three things right here in this one verse of Scripture in verse 15. I'll read it again. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The seed of the woman refers to, ultimately, it's the fulfillment of of Jesus Christ and what he did, but it's all humanity. The bruised heel of the seed of the woman refers to the crucifixion of Christ. He didn't crush Christ. He bruised his heel because he rose again. Everybody shout amen to that. Now watch this, and this is a really good thing. Notice, he, he, Jesus, bruised the serpent. He, He bruised the head of the serpent and, it, and, it, and what that speaks to is the final judgment of Satan. See, he just bruised him because he's, 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 not, um, he's not in a non-functional way now. He's been stripped of all of his power, but he's still the liar and he's still good at it. And he still lies to humanity and so much of humanity still believes his lies. But there's coming a day when there's a top to the pit... We get to kick him in, shut the door, and it's finished. It was bruised to this point. It was bruised to this point. Adam lost it. Then God sets up right here what's fixing to come. And now I'm going to read to you from the prophecy of Scripture in Isaiah that declared he's coming. He had it set up right here in this passage of Scripture. We, I don't have time to stay on this and look at this, but what, what happened here, I'll read that last verse, that 15th verse again. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. 
And there is major, there is major, major enmity between the saved and the unsaved. Huge division, and yet everybody was created in the image of God. But there is huge division and 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 anger and frustration and jealousy and rage between the seeds. But you and I were created to rise up in our born-again state and take the authority God has given us and give no place to the devil. Listen to me, this earth is his. It's not the Republicans or the Democrats or the Independents or anybody else. It's not of the governments of the world. We're to obey the governments of the land because the Bible tells us, but it's not theirs. It's his. And I don't know about you, but I'm his. So this is mine. I'm in authority. I said, I'm in authority in the earth. How about you? We're in authority in the earth. And this prophecy began the process. I mean, you see this prophecy throughout all different forms of Scripture in the Old Testament. But in Isaiah 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Watch this. And the government, the government will be upon his shoulders. The government will be upon his shoulders. I want to read you the definition of the word government in the Hebrew, and it is the word M-I-S-R-A-L, and it means rule, it means authority, and it means dominion. And what I see here is the dominion that God gave Adam in the garden, that Adam gave up, is the dominion that now rests upon his shoulders As Isaiah prophesies this, now the responsibility for this is on his shoulders. He's got to complete that so we can be in the same place that Adam was at in the garden. He doesn't fulfill this, it's not accomplished. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of this government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. There'll be no end to the increase of the authority and the dominion and the power and the peace that you and I have access to. There's no end to it. We're not going backwards. We're moving forward. Amen? We're not retreating. We're advancing. There's not a greater time in the history of the planet to be alive knowing this. That dominion was on his shoulders. The responsibility for the outcome of all of mankind was on his shoulders. And in the New Testament, we know this verse. 
Luke 2 and verse 8. There was in that same country shepherds living in the fields, living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, that Son. Amen? That Son was born that day, and on his shoulders was the government of God, was the authority of God, amen, was the dominion of God. It was on his shoulders when he was born that day. This Christmas season, this time that we celebrate, this great time, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's so much to what his birth set up for you and I. We don't have to live as losers. We don't have to live under anything. We don't have to live where, where, where we have no hope and where we live in fear and torment. We don't have to live in that place because all of that was on his shoulders. The government of God, the authority of God, the dominion that Adam gave away, it was on his shoulders. And the devil knew nothing about it. The devil knew nothing about it. He had no clue what was fixing to come. Galatians 4 and verse 4 says this. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of that woman talked about in Genesis 3. Born under the law to do what? To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. No more are we slaves. We are sons of the Most High God. Amen? We're empowered with the dominion that was on the shoulders of Jesus, that dominion you and I have. You and I have to believe it. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is a day coming in your life, in everybody sitting in here today, you will, unless the Lord Jesus comes back, you will leave this planet sometime in the future. Sometime in the future, you will leave this planet. We'll live long, we have the right to live long, fulfilled, prosperous lives until we're done. Can you say amen to that? That's what the Bible says. But there's a day you'll cross over. Listen to me, listen. When we cross over, that crown is there. And it's for those who believe it now. Not just, well, I'm hoping. That's why you're sitting here today. That's why you've got to do something with what you hear. You can't just hear things and think everything's going to change and everything's going to work out. You have to do something with what you hear. And when you do something with what you hear, you have that third part of the triune being, the person of the Holy Spirit revealing truth to you. I'm telling you, he'll come and he'll tell you what pastor told you today, what he preached, it's real. I want you to begin to apply it like this. I want you to take this situation where you've been in fear and I want you to apply the word and command the word and command situations to change in your life. I don't want you to give in to anything. He'll show you that the Holy Spirit is there. He's inside of us. If you're born again, you have him. And his only job in the earth is to reveal all truth. To help you 
through the truth being revealed to you. Not to do things for you, to help you. You're waiting for him to do it all, he's already done it all. He'll help you to do and accomplish what God's already made a way for, for us. To walk in that dominion, to walk in the truth, to walk the way he desires for us to walk, to walk the way Jesus walked in the earth. In the fullness of time, it was set up. Now, I want to end this message today with you thinking a couple of things. I want to leave you with something to empower you about this message and what we're going to share in the days, in the, in the services ahead. You don't want to miss the rest of these. But <clears throat> what's being produced in you and I is what Scripture says what, that we just read in one of the crowns is the glory of God. What's being produced in us is the glory of God. The word glory, the word glory, I just combined these definitions just to kind of shorten it. In the Hebrew and the Greek, both. Both of them say the same thing when it talks about the glory of God. I want you to think about the glory of God. It's the essence of God. I've, I've been meditating on that word for a few days. The essence of God. What is the essence of something? It, it, it's almost, to me, the word essence almost has to do with a smell. Like, like the essence of that aroma. The essence of that, uh, that uh, what am I thinking of? When you, uh, incense or something. Like when you, if you burn incense, there's, a, there's an aroma or an essence. The glory of God is it's the smell of God. It's the, it's the, the feeling of God. It's also, an, another word is, is the worth of God. The glory of God is his worth, who he is, what, what he is worth. I mean, how valuable that he is. I mean, that, that's the glory of God. And the other, the other word is substance. The glory of God is the substance of God. Now, now, now listen, listen, the, the crown that is waiting for you on the other side, the crown that is over there, is you demonstrating and revealing and letting his glory be seen through you. His essence that people can actually, they're around you and you just, not like you have B.O., right? But there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an essence, there's a smell about you, there's something about you that is different. There's something about your worth is a worth of God. And listen, listen, when you're projecting the worth of God, you're not projecting to other people about how you're all that. Huh? It becomes less of me and more of him. It becomes all about who he is. And so if anything, any of that goodness of God is flowing through me, it's because of him. You understand? Yes, we have to do it. 
and, and there's reward in that, but the reward is not that we take credit for it. There's, there's this essence because, because he works in those situations when I don't know what to do. He works. It's real. It's not something that, 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 I, that I try to make happen. It's something that works because I, 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 I'm convinced of his worth. I'm convinced of his essence, his presence, his value. I, I'm, I'm convinced of who he is. And so when I believe his word and I stand in faith on his word, like Sandra was talking about concerning the offering, when I stand on the fact that I'm a tither, it's not that I'm saying it in pride because I'm a tither. It's because I've been convinced of being a tither. There was a time I didn't believe in it. That was a time I did it and really didn't believe in it early on. But today I believe in it. And now my confidence that the devourer is rebuked on my behalf is because of what he's done. I did what he said, but now it's become real. And that's the people that we have to be. Listen to these two passages of scripture as I, as I end this. Colossians 1, man, what a powerful passage. You need to meditate on this. Verse 26, Colossians 1. The mystery, the mystery hidden from the ages and from generations. But now, everybody say now. What does that mean? Right now. Not later when I take time. No, no, no. Right now it's being revealed. Right now. What's being revealed? Revealed to his saints, to the children of God. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, or Christ revealed in you the hope of glory. The hope of glory. The hope of glory. The hope of his essence, of his presence, of his worth, of his value, of his substance. Right? The, 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 the essence of that. The hope of that. What hope is he talking about? He's talking about it being revealed to you and I so that we become the hope of the world. Well, no, 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 Jesus is the hope of the world, yeah? But listen, if nobody got a hold of this and nobody had revelation inside of them, the people, the world would not seek after him. He set it up that way. People that are unsaved, that have no desire, they think for God, because everybody's looking for God in one form or another. They're not going to see it if they don't see it in us. So he said the hope of the world is Christ revealed in you. That's the hope of glory. See, it's not Christ revealed in me about who I am. It's Christ revealed in me about what his essence is, his, his substance is, his worth is, who he is. When that's revealed in me and that's my confidence, then people see that I'm confident in him, not in me. 
That's the hope of the world. Like never before in the history of the world is there a time like right now, like right this moment, that the world needs to see that we believe in God. We're not afraid of anything. See, and God's wanting you to apply that in situations where fear attacks you and you try to get in fear. Harmony this morning shared a really powerful word. And one of the things that she shared in our prayer circle that we do right before church where we pray, but somebody, somebody always volunteers to bring a word, and Harmony brought a word. And, she, and one of the things that she said today really hit me, that she, the fact that she believed what she said, and I saw it in her. And you know what she said? She talked about something that I said several services ago about, you know, when we're talking about healing and, and the ministry of Jesus and the people that were healed in his ministry. And I made the comment, if you, if you saw a person that had been born with no arm and Jesus said that, that he could have an arm because in Jesus' ministry, limbs grew out and all kinds of things happened. What could an arm actually grow out? And she, she made the comment, she said, you know, I thought, yeah, yeah, that's true. But the longer she thought about it in the back of her mind, she thought, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if that could happen or not. And she was talking about healing and health, but the thing that she said was, a lot of times what happens is we start listening to other people, and people talk us out of it. And that's what happens in every situation in life. We start listening to people instead of taking what you're hearing today. Man, I've given you, that's why I give you a boatload of scriptures when we talk. I try not to wear you out with it, but you need scriptures to go home and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the truth of what I'm actually saying. And what she said this morning was so good in the fact that she said, you know, what, in, other, in essence, what she, she didn't actually say this, but in essence, what she was saying is, I can't, if I'm going to believe for healing in my body or for other people, I can't listen to what other people say that don't believe the word of God. Did you hear me? That was really a good word. You're going to get stronger in that, and you're going to share that with more and more people. Amen? In the name of Jesus. Anyway, where am I at? So, in saying that, I want you to hear what is coming out in this last passage. I'm going to read it in two translations, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, and I'm going to read it here. The last verse we just read, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now, I want you to hear this in 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. I'll read it in the New King James first. For our light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Everybody say weight of glory. A weight of glory. The weight, oh my goodness. The weight of the essence of God, the, the weight of the value and the substance of God. Remember, what I said was, the hope of glory is the hope of the nations. It's Christ revealed in you. When you and I believe that things that we go through, God calls them momentary light afflictions. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I've been. No, no, no. He calls it that. Nothing you've ever gone through even came close to comparing what Jesus went through. 
Because he took it all on himself. So what we've gone through, it may seem big to us, but he calls it light affliction, momentary light afflictions. But if we view them that way, light and momentary, then what is happening is the weight of the glory and the essence and the, and the substance and, and, and the value of who God is that the world can't change unless they see it through us, that weight that we carry, that weight begins to become this light load because I begin to realize, wait a minute, I don't have to give in to this. Now the world can see that God is real and that if I can get through something, they can get through something. If I can overcome, then they can overcome. He said, these momentary light afflictions are producing an exceeding eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. Or the things that we hear, like the other voices of people that don't believe the word of God. Those are temporary things. But the things which are not seen, those are eternal. They're forever. Can you say amen? Now I want to read this in the New Living Translation. As I end this message. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see, <laughs> they'll last forever. And you know what's waiting for you? What's waiting for you on the other side is a crown that has your name written on it. And you know what I think? I think we'll get the crown at one time or another. This is just my opinion. I can't prove this. I believe we'll get, if you enter the gates of heaven, if you enter through the gates, then you'll get the crown one time or another. Some people will get it when they step over. Others that didn't choose to really work on this and get this, they'll have to prove it there and then they'll get it. That's what I think. Because God's no respecter of person. He's just a respecter of faith. The difference in here and there, the difference in here and there, is here there's a resistance to your faith. There's so much more value to you not being moved by natural things, even with all the resistance and the things coming at you. On the other side, there's no resistance. So the momentary light afflictions and the things that we face, they're for a very short period of time if we're not moved by what we see. And there is a glory. There is an essence of God. I mean, don't you want people, when you're in people's presence, to sense something that's different? That's all it is. That's not all it is. That's what it is. There's a difference with people. It's not, it's not putting a fake smile on your face. I mean, some days you need to fake it and smile, you know? But it's not having a fake smile on your face. You know, it's not, it's not that you can't have days when you kind of feel like frowning, choosing not to. 
Choosing not to let everybody else know how, what a bad day that you're having. Choosing not to give in to all of the competition that there is in the world to be something or somebody. Not giving in to that. But spending your days and your time and your life desiring to be more like him and taking that weight and letting that weight because, become an easy load, a light load. Because I've got to do it, but if he's my helper and I have the word of God and the spirit of God in me showing me the way and directing my path and ordering my steps, then there's not anything I can't do or accomplish. Did you hear what I said? So that weight, the weightiness of the glory, is, it's on us kind of like the weightiness of the government was on the shoulders of Jesus. But did he, did he give in and cow down and, and, and fail and throw in the towel and it's too tough for me? A couple of times he said some things that looked like it. God, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, yours be done. If he could do it, with all the sins and all the difficulties of all of humanity in the history of the world, as a man like you and I, as a person like you and I, you and I can do it where our lives are concerned. Listen to me. It's not that difficult. We just have to become doers. We have to have our daily routines like we talk about here all the time, and then we have to do something in our meditation time and do something in our actions that God is teaching us to do. That's how you learn how to hear God. You're not going to just say, okay, starting today, I'm going to, I'm going to hear the voice of God. You could come up with all kinds of crap that you think is God. It's not God if you don't practice. There's all kinds of voices out there. Well, that's got to be God because it felt good. There's all kinds of things that can appear to be one way when it's really not God's way, that's why we have to develop it and practice it. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, he's given us the Holy Spirit, so we are the recipients of the crowns as we, stop, as we step over on the other side. But we're recipients of that crown by faith on this side. Amen? Can you say amen? Thank God today for the authority that God has given us. Thank him for that authority that he has given us today. Let's just lift our hands and thank him now. Glory be to Jesus forevermore. Thank God for the authority that he has given us. Thank God for those crowns that are laid up for us. Thank God for what Jesus gave us in our ability to live in and on planet Earth.